Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 48. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. We are joined by a fantastic guest, Bob Stromberg from Minnesota, if I've got that right, MN. Um, Bob is a... He travel, seems to be traveling continuously. He's got a very unique blend of his original story, stand-up, and I think he describes it as shtick, which is a cool word. I love that one. Um, he also works, he's left an impression with Fortune 500 companies. He's raised multi-millions for non-profits. He's garnered literally and liter- literary and theater awards and broken box office records. And the London Times has said he's genuinely funny man. So, Bob, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to it. And the topic we're really going to be covering today is about mastering the craft of creativity. But before we dive into that, could you just give us a a little bit of a background that's got you from, you know, your experiences has got you to this point today? Well, I sure can. I grew up in the uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, eastern part of the United States. I uh, I remember as an eight-year-old, I'm 64 years old now, Jeff, I remember as an eight-year-old sitting in my uh, grade three class, uh, and my music teacher, Miss Nagel, came in. She was a, a very large woman, and she sat down on the piano stool with her back end spilling over the, the stool, which was comical to all of us, and she said, today we're going to sing number 14, and we opened up to page 14. I remember this vividly. At the top of the page, there was a thin picture of an Amish-looking fellow walking through a late summer meadow. There were there was a splash of blue river, uh, chalk river in the foreground. There were approaching storm clouds in the background. I can see it in my mind. And she began playing the song Shenandoah. Uh, perhaps you've heard the song, uh, uh, American folk song, Oh, Shenandoah, I long to see you gone away, you rolling river. And I, an eight-year-old, first of all, one can only imagine how terrible this sounded with 30 uh, eight-year-olds singing poorly and, and an out-of-tune piano, and, and she's just she's just banging on the piano. But we sang it together as a class, and I burst into tears. I didn't know why, but I burst into tears. And um, my classmates all turned to look at me at the end of the song, and then Miss Nagel walked down the aisle, and she asked me what was wrong. But, of course, I couldn't answer because how does an eight-year-old describe being overwhelmed by the beauty of art? And something something began that day, um, definitely began on that day that hasn't ended until this day. It led to me uh, writing songs during my high school years, really, really poor songs. <laughs> but but they got better when I got into my university years. And, uh, and then I began performing, uh, singing, um, playing guitar, singing these songs, and then telling stories in between. And people laughed at my stories, sometimes really hard. And that thrilled me. To, that, that really was exciting to me that they were laughing at these stories. I was telling, and that led me uh, after a university to going to a small theater school and learning about the vaudevillian arts. That's where I learned some of that shtick that you were yeah. talking about. We can <laughs> chat about that more if you'd like. Um, and that led me to uh, to a, a, a life doing a comedy, doing stand-up, uh, doing uh, writing plays. Um, uh, one of the plays which took off around the world and actually made it to the West of, uh, of London for a short while and, um, and supported – uh, financially, creatively supported me for years, and uh, and and financially supported my family and many others for for probably twenty years. 
years. So it's been quite a, an exciting journey until the present day where I find myself at 40 uh, 40 years into this, which is kind of I'm rather in an elite group of artists uh, that that have been able to do what they love doing, mm-hmm. uh, self-employed for 40 years. This is all I've all I've ever done. Um, and about 10 years ago, I was asked to lecture uh, at a conference and, and to speak about my career and how I'd been able to have at that point, having done that for 30 years. And I realized <laughs> well, I gotta. I have to figure this out. What What have I been doing that's enabled me to do this? And I realized that the the common thread through all of those years was creativity. And as I began to reverse engineer that, I realized that create. And this was quite a discovery for me. And I think something that that people don't hear very often. Creativity is not a gift that certain special people have. No. Creativity is a craft. It's a it's a it's a skill. It's a process, which means that we can get through practice. We can get better and better and better at it. And that that really uh, made the last ten years of my career uh, to this point even more productive than the first thirty. Uh, knowing that there's something that I could actually work on. There's a process. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's people. When you talk about creativity, what? How do you what what sort of envelope do you cover that in? What what when you talk about that creativity from your point of view, how do you see that? Yeah, I see it as uh, writing, uh, creating material, um, and again, the the material that I've created is rather broad, from from music to theater to stand up to um, to some crazy things like for this is some of my shtick. I I uh, I, I do hand shadows, for example. Um, All right, okay. And I become rather well known. Um, I was going to say around the world, and in, in reality, there I, I sort of have become probably one of the top handful of hand shadow artists in the world because there aren't that. Although everybody in the world has created hand shadows, and at one yeah. point sort of marveled at that as a child or even as an adult, perhaps um, very few have taken the time to really work on it and and to uh, to make something out of it, which I, which I've done. So um, yeah, so I really think of it more from an artistic point of view, but but creativity. I mean, we wouldn't have survived as a race without creativity. Yep. It's it's what's it's what's kept us here all these years. So in a, any entrepreneurs in any field, uh, creativity is an important thing. And in fact, I I maintain that creativity that we, we all have a reservoir within us hmm. um, which desires to be filled with creative ideas i believe we were born uh, this way uh with creativity in our in our very genes um, i so wish this was videoed now because i would have loved you to do some shadow things um <laughs> yeah it doesn't work very well on the podcast no, 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 exactly yes now i'm doing a dog okay so one so with that because you make a good point is is i suppose one part is is and i don't know what it's like over in the US but we seem in the UK to be reducing the amount of opportunities that our children can be creative in the sense of moving moving through you know they're shutting down certain things there's a there's a fantastic story uh TED talk with uh Sir Ken Robinson and he talks about how they seem to be you know kicking creativity out in order to fit that lineal um yeah. educational side and it is it is it's such a scary thing because the only real time you get to nurture that is at school because then you've still got it and then if you have the courage to use it out then that's one thing but quite often is is when it's been 
sort of boxed into something that they're not able to express it, and it takes a while for them to refind it. Yeah, which is a shame. You know, when I think about my educational experience, for example, um, here I was this very intuitively creative uh, child, and I, I did not fit into the educational system. And, and the the way it worked for me is I discovered early on, um, probably, again, eight, nine years of age, or maybe even earlier than that, in school, I realized that I had to take these things called tests or quizzes or exams. And uh, I had to fill in at the end of each line, if there was a place I had to fill a word in, it had to be the correct answer. And yeah. and there was only one word I could put in there. Or if I was adding, subtracting, dividing, multiplying numbers, it had to be the right number beneath that line at the bottom of the of the of the uh, question. Mm -hmm. It had to be and, and there was only one right number. And uh, that that's the way uh, the educational system is here. And I think there as well, you have to have the right answer. We're in creativity. Creativity does not work that way. With creativity, mm -hmm. there are potentially many right answers. And perhaps it's a matter of finding the best one or the one that's best for you. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 really uh, counterintuitive to what we are taught to learn in schools all of the time. So uh, you're right. I think it's a I think it's a it's a shame. Yeah. And I think is I think for me is is when I think about creativity is is um, I, I suffered from I've suffered from dyslexia um, all my well I still suffer from dyslexia, but it, yeah. and it's one of those things that it, there was I, I loved my imagination, and I think for me is creativity is the power of exploration. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it allows you just to sort of play. And, uh, exactly, and, that's it. That's the key word. Play yeah. is. All of our play as children, when we, yeah. when we were playing, we were being creative, and we loved it. Yeah. Uh, but that got educated out of most of us uh, yeah. it, it, really early on. Yeah. So when, you, when you're talking about as a skill set for creativity, can you share some strategies that people can use to develop or build their creativity skills? Well, absolutely. Um, I, what I, when I reverse engineered this process, um, I began thinking, what have I been doing for these 30 years and now 40 years uh, to stay busy and to stay fulfilled and to, and, and in, this, in this life? And I realized that I'd been doing three things which I identify as the, uh, the fundamentals of creativity. And they're found in the acronym uh, GIT, G-I-T. I tell people this is how you can get your master's of creativity degree. Yeah. <laughs> G, G stands for grab, okay. uh, I, I for interrogate, and T for transform. These are the fundamentals. And if one practices these fundamentals, you begin to uh, experience creativity in your life, even if it hasn't been there for a, a long, long while. Mm -hmm. G for grab. But when I say uh, grab, I mean you grab anything that grabs you emotionally. Mm -hmm. Any thought, any impression, any experience that you have, you grab it. And when I say grab, I mean you write it down, or more likely these days, most of us speak it into our a file on our phone mm -hmm. or on our computer so that we do not lose it. Because of course, you will lose it if you don't write it down. It will be, it will be gone, um, yeah. guaranteed. Um, so you grab these things. 
they're not ideas yet. They're just, it's just a thought, something that I thought something and that moved me. For example, uh, I was speaking to my parents who were in their 90s now last night. It was their 69th anniversary. And they were telling me some stories about their wedding day. Um, It's not, I don't have an idea of how I might use that, but that conversation, it was sweet. That was an emotion for me. What a sweet time that was talking to my mom and my dad, these old people. And I just wrote down, um, story about, uh, the honeymoon. That's what I wrote down. Mom and dad, I've got it. It's, it's not an idea. It's just a, a thought and experience and impression that I had that moved me a small way emotionally, but I grabbed it. The next process is interrogate. And that means you come back to this long list that you've gathered. I probably now I, I grab one or two, sometimes three or four things a day. I've grabbed three already today. Um, and I didn't have to work at it because it's become a habit, which would be a fun thing for us to talk about, too, if we have time here. But you come back and you interrogate that long list that you have and you just say, why you look at them and one or two of them will jump out at you. And you say, why did you move me? Why do I still feel moved? Why does that still feel sweet to me? Or why does that still make me angry when I think about this experience? And you interrogate it. How could I use you? What is your purpose? Why do I even care that you're in this list? And over time, and sometimes it can happen, honestly, in 20 minutes, 10, 20 minutes, an hour, or sometimes I've had, I've had uh, valuable things that I use now in my life, in my work, that were there for 20 years. They were on that list 20 years, and I didn't know what to do with them. Uh, and, then, and then one day, oh, my goodness, there it is. That's, that's the aha moment. And every creative person knows this feeling where the thought, the impression, the experience that you've grabbed through interrogation, it becomes an idea. That's the aha moment when something becomes, oh, now I know what I can do for you. You're a character in this book, or you're a chapter in this, or you're a theme, or you're a, um, um, an Ill, a story illustration that I can tell, or you're a painting I can make, or a sculptor, and on and on it goes. Yeah. And then the, process, the the last step is T. That's where you take what you've grabbed and interrogated, this idea you, you now have, and you transform it into what it's supposed to be, whether it's writing the blog or whether it's cr- – like you did creating a, a, a podcast mm. or uh, or painting a painting, you actually transform it into what it is. So you grab, you interrogate, and you transform. And that's that is what I've been doing for forty years, and I really believe that is the creative process. Mm. And it's, it's there's a couple of things. One, I want to get to the habit bit, but the other thing is is it's it's amazing when you. Because, you know, in my early years, I never really thought about carrying a, you know, a journal or, or going through that. And I talk about journaling to all my clients. and I talk about it a lot when I'm speaking. But it, just having something to, to take stuff down is, yes. is truly amazing and, you know, in truth, transform, transformative. Because mm-hmm. you have that, as you say, you have that ability to go, oh, I like that idea. And it just, as you say, it's just that little pebble drop. And then, oh, yep. well, I wonder what can come from that. Yep, that's right. That's so, right. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't know if you know this story or not. One of my favorite uh, artists from your country is Sting. Yeah, I've yeah. Listened, I've he's listened actually, to him since He's there. actually from my city. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're on the coast there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, northeast, yeah. 
Yeah, how about that? Well, um, you probably know this story. Um, you know, as, as famous as he is, I mean, the guy's been nominated for 38 times for Grammy Awards. I think he's won 16 of them. He's he's sold 100 million records in his lifetime. Mm. Uh, one of the most successful musical artists in in the world. And yet, a few years ago, he had an eight-year dry spell. Yeah. where he did not write a song. And what brought him out of that, I mean, first of all, I find myself going, how is that possible? How is it possible that Sting couldn't write a song? That's yeah. what he does. And he's done he's done all these years and, and so well, but he couldn't do it. And it's not because he, he wasn't just taking a vacation. He couldn't write a song. Mm -hmm. And what brought him out of that eight-year period was he went back in his memory and began to mine, M-I-N-E, he began to mine his past experiences, and he be, and he came up with this idea of writing this musical, The Last Ship, yeah. um, which is now, uh, I saw in Chicago, it's now been on Broadway, I think, maybe in the West End now, I'm not certain. Um, but it uh, that's what brought him out of it. It's the first time he ever wrote music that was in the dialect from your area. Yeah. Um, and he created these characters and wrote this story, but it was all out of his past. And what he did is he was going back and grabbing stuff that memories that moved him. He was interrogating it. How can I do that? And he transformed it into this musical, The Last Ship, which broke him out of an eight year dry spell. And with respect, I contend that that the problem was that Sting didn't realize, I, I think he was working intuitively for 25 years. Yeah. He was just, he was talented and that was, that was helpful to him. Mm. And, uh, and he had all the tools. He had the recording, he had the, the re recording studio in his house. He had all his friends who were really good at playing instruments and writing as well. And he intuitively was able to create and that's fine for a while until you hit that eight year dry spell and you're yeah. stuck yeah. until you realize this isn't intuition. There's a process here that you need to be about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I'm sure I heard on a, on an interview and I might be wrong about this, but he never really revisited that part of his, of his childhood until before that. Yeah. yeah. Before that, it was something, um, you know, and in, in about the shipyards and stuff. And it, it yeah. it's re it's, it's a lovely set of songs as well. When you, when you listen to yes, especially it from being beautiful, up, being up here but the mm -hmm. other thing is let's talk about the habit before we yeah. go to the second part yeah how can we um create that more of the habit in that aspect you probably have heard as i have that it takes 21 days to form a habit i've heard that since i was a child yeah um and uh, it actually now uh, neuroscience which didn't exist when i was a child yeah but uh, it's now proven that that's actually true in 21 days um if you think if you work on something mentally, if you spend five to 16 minutes per day thinking about something, um, working at it in your mind, five to 16 minutes a day thinking, the process of thinking creates neurons, uh, neurons create neural pathways. And in 21 days of thinking, five to 16 minutes a day, you actually create a neural pathway which was not there 
21 days earlier. And that neural pathway is, a, is, a, is actually a habit. You create a habit in 21 days. Now, it's not a good habit. It, it won't last unless you repeat this cycle uh, two or three more times. So that's, and I've heard this my whole life too. People go, yeah, well, maybe, but it takes, I think it takes, you know, two, three months to form a habit. And that's more accurate. It does take two or three months. But if you do that, if you repeat that, for, and you do it five to 16 minutes a day for two or three months, you actually create a creative habit. So if you're grabbing and interrogating and transforming any of those three things, five to 16 minutes a day for a couple months, you create a habit, which means you don't need to think about what you're doing anymore. And we're all, we're creatures of habit. We're, and, and we think about habits often from a negative perspective, uh, but habits are they're wonderful things to have. They're remarkably uh, dependable. Think about this, Jeff. When you get up in the morning and you're getting dressed and you put your shoes on, you always put on either your right or your left one first, but you always put the same shoe on first every day. And I, you know, those who are listening to it, so I, I, I uh, challenge you all to try to put on the other shoe first tomorrow morning and you'll feel like you messed up your whole day. <laughs> and I've thought about you know, get out of the shower and, and watch how you dry off your body. It's like a ballet. It's like it's been choreographed and you hold the towel and you do it exactly the same because you've been doing over and over and over again. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because it's non-conscious thought. You don't have to think how to put your shoes on or how to tie your shoes or how to dry yourself off. You've got it down so that it requires no energy from you mentally. Um, and th that's a very depend a wonderful thing to have. And when you develop a creative habit, uh, you can be grabbing and interrogating and transforming all of the time, and it, it takes very little effort. Uh, where when you just when you first begin, it's it's a difficult process. Um, in fact, I teach this process, as you know, and and grabbing is really hard for some people. It's just like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know what to grab. I'm not. What, what am I? What do you mean I'm supposed to grab things that move me emotionally? Uh, and the truth is, when you start doing it, then you wake up emotionally. Most of us are sound asleep. Things are trying to grab us all the time, trying to move us. And we, we see things and they go right by because our mind's somewhere where, where it shouldn't be. So Yeah. No, that's, no, that's brilliant. I could, I could speak about that for ages because that's, the, that's one of those things that I'll, um, I'm fascinated with. And I suppose, yeah. I mean, the last question is because um, how do you control – um the sort of if you want when it gets out of control so you know when you've got you've got those you've got those ideas coming to you all the time is that yeah. where you just grab it and you, you interrogate it at a later date yes yeah you don't you you <coughs> grab it so um yeah you you grab it and it's on the list and at least you know you're not it, you're not going to lose it um you don't need to you don't need to go at it right that moment although sometimes you grab something and it moves you so much uh it raises to a certain emotional level that you go oh i've got to i got to write this down right now and you just and you just th those are the kind of um uh, things that you grab that that go from being thoughts, impressions and experiences and and they become ideas immediately. And then sometimes that that aha moment is so it's so uh, invigorating and so inspiring that you, you do want to go right at it. But uh, often I, I think that's often not the case. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Presentation Genius. 
You might remember Simon from Presentation Genius from way back in episode five. It's one of the highest downloaded episodes of the show, probably because of the sheer amount of content Simon gave away. Well, now he's giving away more at his only public training course in the UK this year. It's on September the 15th, and there's all the information you need at presentationgenius.info forward stroke Durham. What's more, Success IQ listeners can get 13% off whatever ticket you buy by using the coupon SUCCESS13IQ. Presentations are such a key part of your business success. I've seen Simon work. I can absolutely recommend his stuff. And what I would say is learn from the best and become a presentation genius yourself. So are you sitting comfortably? I, yes, I am. <laughs> okay. First question is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development or developing your art or your craft? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question because um, I, I – and I think I'm unable to answer that in terms of how much time because I'm, I am doing it – I really am doing it all of the time. Um, I mean, and every day. And, and today I've grabbed – two or three things, uh, added them to the list. They're there. Um, and I did a little bit of interrogating of those, but it, but it didn't feel like work. Uh, no. so, you know, maybe I spent seven or eight minutes thus far today. It's one in the afternoon as I'm speaking to you. Um, and then other times when I'm, if, when I actually get into intense interrogating or transforming, I mean, I might spend, I might spend, uh, entire days working on something um so that that um i'm not trying to no 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 that, answer your to be question, honest but, you've answered the question how i would yeah. expected you to answer yeah. it is i think the 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 whole idea of this is is you people have to realize that in order to improve in order to to move forward to the the type of life that they want to live or learn the type of skills that they need to live to achieve that. They've got to do the work. And you yeah. know, a lot of the times as the, the listeners to the show is, is they love what they do. So it's very hard to switch off, but yeah. it's just something. But I think it's it's really just to emphasize that it's not you just sit there and watch, you know, HBO or, or whatever it is. It's you sit there and you you're at some point of the day you're doing something in order to improve yourself. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I have a, a little uh, infrared sauna in my in my house, which I've gotten in the habit of using in the evening. And I'll go in and sit in that sauna for 40 minutes. That's all I can take at the at the heat that I have it without pa- passing out. And um, and I'll put on a, a, a CD and it'll start playing. And I'll realize a half an hour I haven't heard I haven't heard one song and it's been playing the whole time yeah. because uh, my mind will start going, and I'll and I'll be grabbing and interrogating the whole time. So, yeah, but it's true. but but it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't no. feel like self development. It's no. just it's what I do. It's being so. yeah yeah okay yeah. brilliant. Okay, question number two is what's your favorite personal development book and why? Oh th- yeah, here's here's one I bet none of your uh, guests have said before. Uh, my personal favorite my. My favorite personal development book is Steve Martin's memoir uh, called uh, Born Standing Up. Uh, I recommend this. I've given this book away to many people. I recommend this to all of your listeners who have even an inkling of interest in, in creativity. It's a uh, it's a, 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 a 
primer for anybody uh, in the area of comedy. But in terms of creativity, it's um, probably one of the most beautiful memoirs uh, that I've ever read. It's excellently written. And the process of grabbing and interrogating and transforming, although those words are, are never used, and I doubt very much that Steve Martin has ever heard those terms used in this context before, it's, it's, those, those words are plastered on every page of this book. So, and I've read, it, I've read it a half a dozen times probably. And, it's, and good, we'll, it's a sign we'll of a good book if you can read it more. Oh, more. absolutely. <laughs> you bet. Okay. You bet. Question number three is what is your favorite app? Oh, my favorite app is the Notes app. Okay. Uh, just called Notes. It's it came with. It? Uh, no, it's I. Well, it came on my iPhone. Okay. Um, oh yeah, there's yeah, another, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. There's another one that people have been telling me about, which is Evernote. They've been trying to uh, encourage me to. Oh no, no, you need to jump over to Evernote. But I've been using Notes for so long and gotten so comfortable with it, uh, and I do all my grabbing. And interrogating on in my notes file there, uh, it's just so uh, convenient, and I know where everything is. I also find myself, and perhaps you've done this as well, or some of your listeners have, where uh, somebody will send you a message, and you want to respond to that message um, on your uh, on your phone, for example. But but you don't want to actually respond to it right there on the message because you're afraid you want to compose it a little bit better. So I'll, I'll compose things in my notes file and then just copy and paste once I know that it's what I want it to say. Yeah. Um, but I've just found that notes file incredibly uh, responsive and useful for me. Yeah, you don't need to change something if it works. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So number four is what what's been your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Um, I, I, I think my, the big, my biggest, I don't know if I would call this a mistake. Um, we make decisions, um, all through our work and our life and every decision has a consequence. Um, and sometimes it's not, it's, it's a really gray kind of area. And so if you go one way, there's consequences. If you go the other way, there are negative consequences that way. So you don't know which is the best thing to do. But I have recognized in the last uh, couple years that uh, my whole life, what, what has turned me on, what's excited me, it has been the creative process. It's been creating these, these pieces which I can perform or somebody else can perform. Uh, that's what I've loved doing. The other thing that I've has really excited me and that I've loved is, is my family, for example. Um, those are, those are the, so the, my work and my family are, are so very important to me. What I haven't liked at all is the whole marketing aspect of my work. And I did that for, for the first 15 years, which meant that I was sending out newsletters and, and as this is a young man trying to pay my bills and trying to stay busy. Um, and I had a huge mailing list of people, of very interested uh, people who were very interested in my work and what I did. Well, at one point I went, you know, this has taken so much of my time and it's not stuff that I'm particularly good at that, that I enjoy. So I'm going to focus on creating. I'm going to focus on my fam, my w family. So my work and my family, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to have, get somebody else to do this. So I got an agent 25 years ago, a, a really good agent who is still to this day, my agent, I talked to him I've every day. And he's just done a, a wonderful job. But he took over all of that marketing, all of that stuff that then became uh, address labels into emails. Yeah. Um, and I didn't do that. 
Well, now I find myself at my age of 64 and I, I have a mailing list of about 300 people, you know, where it should be it should be 30,000 at least. And I have like 300 people and um, and I'm wanting to market some things and, and I'm finding it, it difficult to do that because I don't. I don't have that list that that doesn't belong to me. And I haven't nurtured that. And I'm realizing I think that was a mistake. I should have kept my hand in that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. no, think, no, yeah. that's a good lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it, Bob? Oh, it sure is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really good at everything in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. OK, question number five is what are your challenges in balancing life and work and how do you manage them? Um, well, um, the difficulty is when I am with family and my, my children now grown, but, uh, and on their own with children of their own. So I have grandchildren and, um, my, so it's just my wife and I who are here at home in terms of our family, but my family is, is very, very important to me. Um, and there were years when I was traveling so much and, um, I found myself constantly trying to balance, how, how do I balance this? I had to be gone on weekends very often. And my boys played basketball on Tuesday and Friday nights, uh, during high school. And I remembered saying to them, uh, you know, when they were grown up saying to them, I, I just want to say to you guys again, I'm so sorry. I miss so many of your games. And they both looked at me and their eyes kind of went wide, like, are you kidding, dad? And they said, we were always so impressed that you were the only dad who came to practice. So that, that was a compensation I made. I, I couldn't go to some of the games. So I went to their practices because I was around during the day to do that. Um, so it's that kind of balancing that I always did. Um, but what I found now is that when I'm with my family, when I'm with my grandkids and my kids, um, I need to focus uh, on them and not be not be working, um, not be <laughs> grabbing, interrogating, transforming very much. I do sometimes like something will grab me and I'll just I'll just say something on my phone, but I put it away and then I'm, it's I'm not going to deal with this until later. Uh, um, but I need to focus on them. And when I'm working, I need to focus on on my work and really engage in it. And I found that the way to do that is is to be aware of gratefulness in both settings. Um, if I'm off for a few weeks of work when I'm just with my family, I'm so grateful to be home and it's hard to leave in the work. And as soon as I go out the door, it's going, Oh, I wish I was, you know, I wish I wasn't going out to work. I wish I was home. And I make the adjustment and say, no, 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 I'm not going to, that's not going to be my attitude as I'm heading to the airport. My attitude is going to be, thank you, God, for another another day of work. Thank you, God, that I can go and, and I can bring home a paycheck because I need to do this, as we all do. And I am grateful for this opportunity to once again be able to do what I do um, and to be healthy and to be able to do what I do, because uh, you certainly can't take that for granted either. No, not at all. Not at all. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Bob, for answering that. Okay, question number six is, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Market. Um, I, <laughs> yes, but but I, you know what? I wish, I wish I'd known starting out that um, 
The advice I would give to uh, an entrepreneur would be to engage your creativity. Some people find themselves um, in jobs where they go, well, I don't really have an opportunity to be very creative in my job. Well, if, if that's the case, uh, first of all, you may be able to be more creative than you think if, if you begin to engage that process. But um, there's always going to be an empty place in, your, in one's heart if, if you're not filling that creative reservoir that is inside of you, creativity is, it's, it is woven into our genes. And without an expression of that, um, then there's always going to be some sort of an emptiness in, in that place. So I would, I would recommend en- engage, um, engage creativity for yourself. And I, I wish that I had known when I started out that there was a process to that so that I was not always just doing it intuitively, which I did well, but I, I wish I'd known that there was an actual process because if I had, I feel like I could have done so much more than I have done. So yeah, brilliant. Okay. Okay. Question number seven is, is what is your definition of success? Um, um, I believe that success is experiencing uh, happiness, fulfillment, and gratefulness in every aspect of my life. Um, So in my family life and in my work life, to experience happiness and fulfillment and gratefulness in all those places. As I look back over now 42 years being married, there were some times that – I wasn't as grateful as I might have been, which means I wasn't as successful in my marriage as I should have been at that point. Uh, or I wasn't feeling as fulfilled or as happy as I might have been. Same thing in my in my work. So it's always bringing it back to, wait, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not succeeding here. Must be something wrong. I've got to readjust. I have to focus back here. I have to, um, as we talked about a moment ago, I have to be focused on my family when I'm with my family. Uh, I have to be focused on my work when, when I'm there and not, and not, I have to have some separation there to, to no, do that successfully. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay. Question number seven is a life lesson question. So you get a picture, you get a pick a number between one to 50 and mm-hmm. whatever number that, uh, lands on that lands to a lesson that I've learned and we will, um, Talk about that and see what your experience is with it. So a number Wonderful. between 150. Wonderful. I'd be interested to know, and do you, do you uh, tend to get, do you tend to, uh, when you're asking people this question, do you do you get a, a fair representation of 1 through 50? Or do you, are you getting? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, well, we're, there's some of them we've never even touched. But mm-hmm. the way, the and, and the way it's it's amazing, because sometimes people, the, the, it actually lands on, almost the topic that we are talking about okay and well, you, get, the, you quite often get a, a message from yeah. people going these are rigged and it's like no they're not honestly <laughs> okay the number that came comes to mind is 36 36 is yeah. wary of opinions now i suppose it's for me it's it's always that it's that thing that's a it's a stopping gap because we can you know whether it's starting out in business or whether it's doing certain things in our lives there are people that will have those opinions and quite often if they're people we either look up to or they are people who um for some reason we take notice of them at that moment in time that could stop us from taking uh, a direction in our lives that we really want to do um quite often it may be 
funny enough, as I know a couple of clients I've talked about who wanted to be um, musicians or artists or something, and they've been told, no, there's no money in that. You need to go and get a proper job. The, the mm-hmm. you know, I'm raising the inverted commas over my fingers, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, I think I think we do need to be very wary of other people's opinions. Um, I have. Uh, I'm thinking when when I think about when you said that first, I thought about reviews. And uh, reviews, theater reviews, can just can just devastate uh, someone. Um, and I've I've experienced that where where it, I just look at it and I go, oh my goodness, this person just didn't get it at all, and it's so discouraging. Um, and I, I guess I would have to say I I still feel that way if somebody doesn't get me, if somebody doesn't understand me, it's it's not uh, it's not fun to be uh, misunderstood. Um, but it's certainly a part of life. And I, I think that we need to, um, not only be very wary, but I think we need to be, I think we need to, I need to work uh, on myself to, to go, okay, wait a minute. I, I don't get my worth. I don't have my value because somebody else has an opinion about me. Um, I, I was, I, I am who I am, and I'm I'm working every day to uh, be the best at what I do, and I I may never be as good as you at something, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a, a place for me in this in this world, you know. Which of course there is. So yeah, um, and the, yeah. and the, the double I suppose the trap is is that you could have fifty great reviews, but you're paying attention to that one bad one. Oh goodness, yes, and that and that that is absolutely the truth. I yeah. I remember I remember the bad, the bad reviews. <laughs> I remember every one of them. Yeah. I remember I remember every bad show I've ever done. I yeah. think you know the yeah. unsuccessful show, and yet somebody will say, "Oh, I saw you here, and it was so great." And I, well, I and I have no recollection of it at all. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I just yeah. remember Joe Smith's interview in in 1980. She said this about that show. So yeah, yes. so it, it is. Oh, it's absolutely. one of those. It's one of those weird things. And I think that ultimately it's it's about you know there are going to be people that don't don't agree with what you're doing but that does not make them right that's right that's, that's why right. it's an opinion yeah yeah brilliant yeah. brilliant exactly. okay so the floor is yours to give us um and our listeners just a, a way to find out more about you whether it's social media or a website and then i'll put all this in the show notes as well well, sure. Um, you know, if, if people wanted to st- check out some of my shtick and my stand-up, uh, they could certainly um, go to uh, Bob Stromberg, and my name is spelled Strom, S-T-R-O-M-B-E-R-G, bobstromberg.com. And uh, th- I've got uh, a page there of uh, videos, and you can uh, check out my hand shadows there, um, which are, are really very, very fun, and uh, a lot of other Fun, fun stuff for you to, to see. Um, I'm really excited about uh, my class, Mastering the Craft of Creativity, which is an online class. It's uh, a six-week deal. When I say six weeks, I mean it drips out one week at a time for six weeks, although most people take six months to get through it if they really go at it. I mean, if you had nothing to do but sit and work on that all day long and all evening, you might be able to do it in six weeks. But um, you, you take it at your own speed, um, and it teaches this process of grabbing 
and interrogating and transforming through a number of of uh, exercises, which which actually form that um, that neural habit, that neural pathway um, of habit uh, for uh, for you, so that you can begin to experience this uh, creativity in your own life. I'm really, really that that's probably what I am most excited about uh, in, in my life right now. And the class is fun. It's got uh, 15 hours of video. It's uh, There are lots of fun performances in it, uh, interviews with oh, maestros and songwriters and comics and, and actors and playwrights and directors and um, but really applicable to to anybody, not only in the arts, but anybody interested in, in, in creativity. So that's there. Also, um, uh, there's a 30-minute uh, free training video uh, on, on this process on creativity. Uh, there's a there's a quiz called the name of the quiz is um, Are You as Creative as Steve Martin? Uh, and and it's a it's a 60-second quiz, three questions, multiple choice. It takes 60 seconds, and it actually tells the truth about your creativity. So that's there. And Jeff, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put together a page. Uh, for your listeners, okay. um, bobstromberg.com forward slash success IQ. So that's just easy as can be. And all of that will be on that, that one page right there. And, Brilliant. um, I'd, I'd love people to check it out. Well, I'm extremely grateful for that. And, um, it has been an absolute joy speaking to you. Thank you, Jeff. I, I feel the same. And I just want to take this opportunity to wish you the greatest. I just want to take this opportunity to wish you the greatest success. Thank you so much. Thank you. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.